Hi, and welcome to Thought Bubble. My name's Scott Millward. Here, I'll be talking to thought leaders from various industries, sharing their insight into their area of expertise and creating a thought bubble around the topics that matter. Let's jump into it. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Thought Bubble. Uh, Really pleased to have Mark Bryce with me today. Uh, Mark is a body transformation coach, uh, CEO and founder of Motivate Me, which is a subscription model business which supports people with their um, health, wellness and diet nutrition needs, all that sort of good stuff. So Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Scott. So it's a pleasure to have you on today. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, Mark, was that I know that a lot of people on LinkedIn, a lot of people in the business world struggle with managing their nutrition, their diet, their training, and just their general sort of health well-being, purely because business is difficult, time moves by, and things can get pretty stressful. So I think you do fill a really nice gap there to sort of help and support people. And also someone who is really active on LinkedIn, I think you give a lot of really good advice to people. So it'd be interesting to hear what your sort of thoughts are on the platform. Obviously, with uh, 58,000 followers on LinkedIn, I think you are clearly know your stuff and people will support what you do and with is it 2,600 clients you have now yes um you've built a really credible platform so today I wanted to talk to Mark about a bit of his background and a little bit about what he does with uh, Motivate Me so Mark do you want to sort of kick off a little bit about your background and how you got into all of this sort of stuff yeah sure so I actually spent 16 years in the corporate space managing IT teams predominantly so uh, I know the stress and the you know and the impact of poor nutrition can have especially in the workplace so yeah spent 16 years working up my my cop through the corporate ladder my passion though always lay in the health and wellness space um purely because of a i guess a pain point um so when i was the age of 13 uh my mum and dad went through a divorce uh, from that divorce, uh, my mum turned to alcohol and food abuse. She just didn't take to it well. And from seeing my mum go through that that vicious cycle, you know, my mum ballooned from size 12 to size 26 uh, over the years. Fortunately for me, I, I obviously seen the impact that that had as a, as a young person. I delved my uh, passion into learning about nutrition and obviously in the impact that that has really just to keep myself healthy. And I threw myself into the gym. I got a bit obsessed there. Um, so I kind of got in... Uh, very young age and I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to reading up about nutrition and training and mindset and all that good stuff. So that was always my burning passion because of, like I say, seeing my mum go through that and being able to help myself and obviously help other people not experience that um, is really my driving force. So fast forward a few years on from that, I got into the world of competing, again, just from a passion perspective and take my training to a next level. Uh, very unhealthy sport, um, not something that... I think it's quite an extreme one, isn't it? And I think it's sort of, uh, it definitely divides opinion amongst a lot of people but I think it teaches you a lot about your body from from people that I know that have competed and PTs that I've spoken to it seems to give you an unbelievable understanding of how your body actually reacts to training and nutrition, even though it is obviously a very extreme sport. Yeah, I mean, it's so unhealthy to get down to like 5 6% where you're competing. It was physique, so it was more of a natural competition. It wasn't, um, you know, the severe bodybuilding. But again, through that um, experience, uh, I managed to successfully place third in the World Fitness Champions in physique. That really opened my eyes to this whole world of social media. Um, it was actually on Facebook at the time that I got a lot of 
people asked me because it, it was at Body Power, which is the 70,000 people there. Um, so I got a lot of attention from that. And uh, off the back of that, people started to ask what my training and nutrition was like. I put together a free plan called Muscle Shred Extreme and I sent that out to people. And what I quickly discovered is that people could do the training side, but the nutrition side is where they fell over, you know, carrying around Tupperware boxes of cold chicken, broccoli and brown rice. I know Scott's here with his Tupperware box. <laughs> hey, this is the first... I, I thought I'd come prepared today just to impress Mark, but, you know, I'm normally eating, you know, Snickers out of vending machines, but there you go. Yeah, it's so I think the point here is that the there is a misconception about, you know, it's Tupperware and brown rice and, you know, extreme dieting, all this sort of stuff. But I think what, what Mark has done for people is that he has learned what he applied within that sort of fairly extreme sort of bodybuilding fitness world into something which normal everyday working people that have careers can actually model and use and it still fits within their lifestyle. So Mark, I want you to go a little bit into what you do with Motivate Me and the sort of structure that you have and how that applies to working people and how really that brings that benefit because like you said, it is a scary starting new diets, trying to change your your habits what is it that you do and motivate me do in order to support people with that yeah I, th I think really it's about you know if we analyze and i've spoken to a lot of people about over the years uh, you know where their struggles lie in today's busy world time is of the essence more more so than ever and i feel like you know with that lack of time and the fact that technology has enhanced the way that we we shop and purchase you know again we can make very impulse decisions so here's what i know right now scott you know 95 percent of people in the UK start their day exactly the same. That is cereal, toast, or skip breakfast, and then lunch is a sandwich or a meal deal. So that's the reality of it because they're quick, convenient, but unfortunately, nutritionally low in vitamins and minerals, which is why when you look at energy levels, they tend to be low. Don't, don't you find that bizarre though? So what you said there, cereal, toast, meal deal, sandwich, maybe a salad or something for most working people. When you're saying those stats, that sounds fairly dramatic. And if you actually think about what that is, it's not that great for you. No. But it's what everyone does. And also, I think it's probably something that is sort of bred into us a little bit as children. Do you know what I mean? You wake up, you have some cereal, you know, you have some cocoa pops or something, and then you have a your little lunchbox at school, and then you continue this cycle when you get into working life. But you never sort of stop to understand what it is you're actually putting in your body. Absolutely. It's just habit. Yeah. And also, I think as well, you know, the food industry, I, I call the food industry the addiction industry. So they're there to get you addicted to whatever food they're trying to sell. And they've cleverly done that by pumping our food full of sugar. So when the whole, I guess, crisis started around, people are getting fatter, they took the fat out. Food tasted pretty naff, to be honest, and uh, they added a load of sugar. So even things like, you know, you're going to your M&S and you look at the chicken that's prepared, look at the ingredients, you'll find sugars in there, which is pretty scary as a, <laughs> when you start to think about it. But really, they want that food to taste good so that you buy more of it. And that's really what we're facing. You know, the advertising around food will have you believe that you're, he you're eating healthy when in fact you're not. And, um, you know, and that's, you know, where really I'm trying to help people understand from a, from a nutrition standpoint and even just giving them little snippets on what subtle changes they can make to help them create a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, and I think that that is such a, an important point is to make people reflect a little bit on what, what they're doing and, and just an education piece because, like I said, everyone is controlled by their habits, whether good or bad. You know, people miss lunch, they always miss breakfast because they get in the car, they have a cigarette and a cup of coffee first thing in the morning and that's just what they do. Yeah. Um, but they don't really take care take a moment to understand why 
or how that's affecting them. So should we get a little bit into your subscription model in terms of the packages that you offer to people and what is that you do in order to help people break those habits? So say if you're a typical person, you know, cups of coffee three, four times a day, you're grabbing meal deals, you'll be eating whatever you can when you've got a moment. You know, if you're lucky, you get a bit of cereal and a piece of toast or something in the morning and then maybe your evenings are filled with uh, whatever you can get your hands on. What is it that you, you do to sort of help break that cycle? Yeah, I think, you know, everything everything starts with forming habits, whether that's good or bad. You know, I always like to use the example of the TV. Uh, when you come into your living room, if you have a TV in your living room like most people do, then the general thing is when people come in, they'll turn the TV on. Now, if you just took that TV out of the living room and replaced it with a guitar, let's say, the likelihood is then you'll now start to, if you have got a passion in playing a guitar, of course, then you're going to have a, a, a much higher chance of starting to play the guitar. So you've already disrupted a habit. If that habit was turning on the TV and opening a bottle of beer, for example, by taking the TV away, you're then disrupting it. So I think you have to look at your environment first and foremost and understand, well, what is it within my environment that's not setting me up for success right now? And for most people, that is that lack of time and high levels of stress. So another stat, about 80% of people I speak to have moderate to high levels of stress. That's having a massive impact on their metabolism because cortisol is effectively shutting that down. And again, so creating space for mindfulness, going out for, you know, walks, finding places where you can actually give yourself time to think, you know, because a lot of people wake up, they turn on the phone and they're scrolling through and they're in a reactive state straight away. They might even open their email and they might even have time to have that time to reflect and decide how they want to set up their day. So I feel like creating yourself a space where you can have time to actually have some quiet time or, mo- or even some people use meditation. Again, it's different for each person. I think a really good place with health and fitness and stuff like that and your diet to, is to start is to pattern recognition, look at what your routine's like. I personally gave up coffee and caffeine for about two months and I changed my morning routine and did sort of mindfulness meditation. I started going to the gym in the morning rather than the in the evening and I found that I didn't need the caffeine because my lifestyle had changed and my pattern had changed and I looked at different things like that. You find that when you change your routines, your what you need food-wise and fitness-wise sort of changes as well. Yeah. So I think that's just a really cool thing when you actually implement those things, you see that they do change. Absolutely. And I think there's a really important point there, Scott, is that when you're having a certain amount of caffeine, your body becomes susceptible to it. So it, it actually no longer has the impact that caffeine has to become a stimulant if you're having a lot of caffeine. So going cold turkey actually can feel like, it can feel like really hard work in the first initial days, but actually it's a really good thing to actually reset your body and caffeine's actually good for you especially when paired with exercise so you know first thing in the morning i have a black coffee and i'll do some fasted cardio so again it's a great technique to to use caffeine but if you're using it to stay awake rather than focusing on the nutrition where you've got a lack of essential vitamins and minerals which is causing that lack of energy then that's where the problem sort of can lie and uh yeah so we need to look at nutrition as a as a way to really support our bodies holistically yeah 100 and i i found that i was riding on caffeine throughout the day so i'd have one in the morning one whatever and yeah it, it was becoming sort of uh, something to lean on um so i sort of went away from it the same as people lean on cigarettes alcohol whatever but yeah just identifying that i think is the important thing i mean you talked about mindfulness um just now i currently work with a life coach and sort of support of anxiety, mindfulness, all that sort of thing. And I've got a little bit of a theory about smoking. So smoking, I believe, is an unbelievable mindfulness technique. And it would be really healthy for you if you just took the cigarette away. So if you went out for five minutes, stood, thought, 
breezed, took in some air, took five minutes, 10 minutes, went back to your desk and carried on, that would be a really healthy, productive exercise for you. Just the fact that you have, you know, a cigarette, that's the the naff bit in that. But if you actually remove the cigarette, I think that would be really healthy for people. But people wouldn't do that. That would be a weird thing to do. (laughs) But the fact that you have the cigarette, um, it sort of gives, you know, cause to why you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Really interesting. And again, I think one of the, you can call it net walking if you want to get a bit corporate, but (laughs) getting out of the office, you know, and going for a walk around uh, with, you know, a colleague, if you're doing a one-to-one, for example, is a great way. You know, I used to always take people out of the corporate environment to do a, have a a one-to-one meeting with them because what I found was that when they were in work, they're a different person to when they're outside of work. So if you take them out of the environment, you know, and it feels, and and you're in a place of non-distraction, then a lot starts to shift um, with people's mindsets and how they feel, you know, even just taking them to Costa, for example, that taking them out of that environment and treating them to a coffee is always, I've always seen that as a, as a benefit from a mindful space. So yeah, you have to create that space, Scott. I think that's the key thing really with it. Okay. So let's go into um, motivate me. So like you mentioned um, to me earlier, you have over 2,600 clients, which is a lot of people. Uh, and I'm sure there's been a lot of hard work, time and effort going into actually build that and build credibility and sort of build that client base. So in terms of your clients, what is it that the people that have signed up for your program, what is it that one, they've been looking for and two, you provide for them? I think most importantly, structure, giving them something that's simple and structured to follow. Um, you know, most of my clients, Scott, are busy executives, directors, you know, t- tend to be business owners, they tend to have a, a massive focus on their career, but when they focus on the career so much, health can become a, 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 a low priority and therefore can can take a knock. But if you, your health is not in check, then how's your energy showing up to work? So, you know, if people say, what's their that ROI? I say, well, what is it the ROI for you being able to be more productive during your day? And, and obviously that's down to that individual. So, yeah, I think what with our systems, what we've figured out or what I figured out through the process of giving people that original muscle thread extreme with the five to six meals a day plan is that people can't are not prepared or don't want to carry around that amount of Tupperware and and do all that preparation they want something that's simplistic that takes care of the problem that we're we're talking about so replacing some meals with a with a superfoods movie that's so in our systems for example scott we're taking care of two meals a day mostly breakfast and lunch because of the reasons i mentioned we're having a whole food meal with the family so you're not disrupting what they're currently doing and still got that you know that social aspect mid-morning mid-afternoon they're having snacks so again they can choose their own we provide them with you know recipe books around those or we can opt to take care of those for them and then around the food most importantly is you're balancing things like the hormones so cortisol as we touched upon is a massive impact on your metabolism we're aiding the digestive system we're incorporating thermogenics which are increasing fat metabolization and we're also incorporating intermittent fasting which is um, a key protocol for health Okay, let's pick up on the intermittent fasting because it's quite a topic in in sort of health and fitness at the moment. Some people love it. Some people think it's a load of BS and that it's not good for you or whatever. So intermittent fasting for your day-to-day run-of-the-mill person, how how does it work? What are the benefits? What are the misconceptions about it? Okay, so I'll start with the benefits. So the science that sits behind intermittent fasting is that when you go beyond 18 to 21 hours in a fasted state, human growth hormone naturally elevates by up to 2000% as a guy and up to 1300% as a woman. So 
if you're thinking, oh, I don't want to lose weight, I actually want to gain lean muscle, intermittent fasting is for you as well. A lot of people don't even think about it like that. I, I used to be fearful if I didn't eat six times a day, I'd lose some lean muscle mass. It's not not true. The the second thing is it's about finding a way that is works for you. So a lot of people do, you know, the the they'll eat for 16 hours a day and then fast for the eight eight hours a day. Sorry, they'll fast for eight, <laughs> 16 hours a day and eight, eat for eight hours a day. So again, it's about working it into to your lifestyle. The key thing is with intermittent fasting is you should never go beyond two days. You start then to break down lean muscle mass. You should find a way that suits your lifestyle. So obviously within our system, we don't deprive the body of vitamins and minerals. We provide those vitamins and minerals through the process. It's not nil by food, basically. There is things to support them through that process that makes intermittent fasting simple and easy to follow, uh, which is why clients love it because they can do it and not feel like they're depriving themselves. So yeah, the, it, it's about finding a way, you know, the 5-2 diet, obviously that's out there. A lot of people have, have maybe have used that. So it's just finding something that works for you. But the science behind intermittent fasting is reduction in inflammation, which is huge from a health standpoint. Obviously the human growth hormone effects and human growth hormone is key to making you feel good, reduce body fat, and build lean muscle. So if you want one of those three things, intermittent fasting give it a shot okay now now i'm considering not eating my lunch now and uh, <laughs> just going hungry for a bit and giving it a go um no it's really interesting because um like I said there is misconceptions about it but you need someone like mark to educate you so you understand how you're doing you shouldn't go into any diet plan or whatever without some advice from someone like mark or a doctor or someone who knows stuff about food so yeah really interesting um I think there's just one more thing actually on. on that, Scott, while you were talking is that uh, the other question that I get a lot is that when I'm intermittent fasting, can I train? I wouldn't do weight training unless you were at the death of your intermittent fast. What I mean is that you're going to introduce food directly after your training. I would do cardiovascular exercise, but don't go too, well, it depends on your energy levels, but don't go too extreme to that point. Because again, when you're in a fasted state, a lot of bodybuilders and competitors, they'll use that to leverage you know, tack tackling that stubborn belly fat that's left at that point. So again, training, you can do it. Um, a lot of my clients just have rest days on these days. Um, but what I do is at the death of my intermittent fast, which I generally do a 36 hour. So I'll stop eating at 6 p.m. tonight, let's say. Start eating at 6 a.m. A, a day later. And I'll go training in the morning in a fasted state whilst my human growth hormone is elevated. I'll break my fast with my post-workout shake and then I'll have my breakfast. And that'll be, you know, a nutritionally dense meal. So again, that's how I leverage it. Personally, I do that once a month as a, as a, a part of my ongoing lifestyle. Okay. So anyone who just listened to that and thought, what? Um, <laughs> don't, don't be to be scared. Mark has so much knowledge that this might, that might be a bit extreme for you and quite a lot to take in. So what I want to do is to bring Mark back to, if you're the toast cereal meal deal cups of coffee, fags, driving, meeting, stress, high cortisol levels type person, which I think 80% of us probably are, where can they start? So we're at that level at the moment, you, you know, same sort of habits uh, for a number of years. Maybe you've got kids, uh, relationships, all that sort of stuff. So you, you don't want to, you know, start eating different meals on your own um, and all that sort of stuff. What can you do which still fits in with your family and your kids, but also reduces your stress levels, improves your health, does all the things that you want it to do? Yeah. Um, where can they just start day one? Okay, so I, I think 
it's getting specific about what your goal is. I mean, we do this, we write smart objectives in work, but we might not write smart objectives for ourselves. And and so really understanding what the goal is. If is the goal when people say lose weight, I'm like, how much weight? How long how long do you think that that is likely to take? And realistically, one to two pounds of fat loss per week is typical of what you should expect. And that's in alignment with the, the calculation that I'm going to give you. I want to give you some tactical stuff that if you're listening to this podcast, you can actually go away and do. And it's hopefully going to then help serve you for long-term health. So the next thing you, you is an absolute fundamental is to really track and measure. How do we measure? We can use things like MyFitnessPal, which is an app that everyone can download uh, for free. And through that, you can track your food. So do it for seven days as a minimum, because what we tend to do is we get the Monday to Friday right, the weekend comes and the weekend warriors come out and uh, we may have the odd alcoholic drink and takeaway and stuff like that. So it's important to measure the entire week and understand what is my pattern recognition. And then once you know that figure, then you can then go onto a, a website called tdeecalculator.net, which is just a free total daily energy expenditure calculator. So TDEE is the total daily energy expenditure. And then you put in your height, age, weight, and level of physical activity. The fact that you're a male or female will determine that figure. And it'll give you an approximation of the amount of calories that you need to maintain your weight. So once you've got that figure and you now know how many calories you're consuming per week, it's then about understanding how you can then apply that to the goal. If the goal is to lose body fat, then you want to be about 500 calories deficit to a thousand calorie deficit of the total daily energy expenditure. Okay. If your goal is to gain weight, then you want to be about 200, 250 to 400 calories in surplus. And these are all approximations, but the best way to try and make sure that you're on point with this is that you track your inches. So this is why a tape measure is the most important tool. Forget the scales. The scales will not show you body composition. If you're especially if you're pairing this with resistance training, you could be reducing body fat and building lean muscle and you're stepping on the scale and it could go even up and therefore you might be demoralized by that. So I think it's important to understand, okay, I'm measuring for success here. Measurements, I, I encourage my clients to take photos every two weeks, front, side, back, same, same time of the day, same outfit, same lighting, same distance, all that. So it's specific and then they can visually see how their body's transforming through the process. I also play a little bit of a mind trick on them. I ask them if they've got any, anything in the wardrobe that they, they wish to um, they wish to get back into. Because most people are within the fat loss area. That's their area of focus because of the, the epidemic that we're kind of in at the moment. And when they say, yes, I have, I say, right, pull it out. And I want you to put it on display so you see it every morning. I want you to remember this conversation as a trigger. And then I want you to remember why this is important to you. Because the what doesn't matter. It's why. Like, And when I ask them, why now? What's the driver? They switch from a logical thinking, I want to lose 12 pounds, to I want to be a dad who's been able to look after my kids because I've got no energy and, and I don't feel body confident. So I'm not having, you know, sexual intercourse with my wife. So again, this is the emotion and I get them to write that out. And I say, look, it sounds crazy, but you're going to significantly increase your chances of success by writing out your goal and putting it somewhere where you can see every day with that outfit. And it's just a big mindset shift. Yeah, 100%. I think it's like any goal, isn't it? If it, you know, you talk about smart goals and all this sort of stuff and making it accountable and you'll be able to track it and all this sort of stuff. If you can't emotionally connect to why you're doing something, you're really going to struggle to sustain it. Um, so like you said, with um, whether it's you want to be uh, lose fat so that you can take your kid to the park or, you know, whatever, maybe you're getting married and you want to look good for your photos and you want, you know, to look back and go, oh yeah, I looked really good then or whatever. That's an emotional reason why to do it. 
and that's going to be a lot stronger than I technically want to lose this much weight because that would be a good thing for me. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not that compelling, is it? So I think once you can find that that reason, I think it's the same as as, as mental health, really. I think you, you, you get to a point where there is a big shift that needs to happen. There is, uh, you know, a goal or desire which you have in mind for yourself, which you want to go and achieve. And if someone like Mark can help you do that, that's fantastic. You should always attach that goal to whatever you're doing. Um, I'm currently looking at Mark's LinkedIn and it's just full of before and after shots of Mark's clients. And either I've got two I've got two theories. Either Mark's actually doing this or he's employing someone like me on Photoshop uh, to to do a really good job. But funny you should say that. I get I get a Photoshop <laughs> message quite a lot on LinkedIn. But here's what I know that when I can say to them, look you don't believe me, try it. And and this is how good of the system is. It's been around for over 18 years. This is why I partnered with them because they've got it exactly spot on from a nutrition standpoint. And they give you a full 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't see or feel a result, regardless of the reason, they don't have to be one. You eat the stuff, you get your money back. There isn't a better guarantee than that. So, you know, what I understand is that a lot of this is just due to habit. So you do have to, they do have to be in the mindset of making a shift. But this isn't a diet with an end date. This is a lifestyle change. Our systems are structured, very structured, and they're a month supply of food. Effectively, the system gets you there. But most importantly, it's the individual components of that system that you embed into your lifestyle that allows you to maintain a healthy lifestyle because it all starts from habits, right? So if them habits are due to a lack of time and you understand that I'm not going to get up early and prepare a proper breakfast, therefore I'm going to default back to what I did before, then keep the superfoods moving and that takes 30 seconds, right? So we're just learning, like thinking logically through this and, and it's all about balance as well. People say, well, can I drink on this? Yeah, course you can you're going to drink anyway if you enjoy a drink then you're never going to stop that forever so what we can do is make healthier alternatives so gin and slim wine vodka and diet soda versus beer and wine or even skinny brands that you know there's a company that um, does low sugar low calorie beer again these are just simple tweaks that people can make yeah and i think that's an interesting point is that people go from eating shit takeaways drinking a lot doing whatever and then they go i'm gonna do a detox diet or a smoothie diet or weight watches this whatever and then they just completely change their life for six weeks and they go oh my god i lost so much weight and then they go i did that and then they go back to their lifestyle and then they go oh my god i've pulled that weight back on whatever it's like because your body's gone into like overdrive doing this and then you've just opened it up back up to your old habits you didn't actually change your habits you just went on a little food holiday for a little (laughs) bit and uh, didn't actually learn anything yeah so i think that the point with someone like mark is that he is someone who helps you be accountable to yourself uh, educates you and makes long-term changes to your habits and thoughts about food myself for example i eat the same breakfast and the same lunch during the week Mm. um I have a different meal in the evenings and I have protein shakes and all that sort of stuff. But it's purely I do it because I'm a creature of habit and also I don't want to think about it. So, you know, the conversation, oh, Scott, what have you got for lunch today? So the same thing I have every day. (laughs) And it's not because I like what I'm eating. It's just because it's something which is done. 
then yeah. I don't have to think about it. You know, I'd, I'd much rather have a meal deal every day and find something interesting and spend 10 minutes deciding what I want. However, it's one less thing to think about and I know that it serves me, serves the purpose for what I want. Yeah. Um, I think if, if you enjoy every meal, you're probably not going to look how you want. You know, there's that <laughs> cliche of don't, uh, only trust fat chefs. Yeah. Don't trust skinny ones <laughs> um, because they're, you know, they, they're cooking delicious gluttonous food and they're indulging in it. So you can't indulge every meal, can you? No. Um, I think that's it. There's two words I always bang the drum about, Scott. It's, it's moderation or healthier substitution. So, you know, if you are having a takeaway every night, then it's not going to serve your health long term. And, and therefore, you know, you've got to make moderation in that, in that quantity. If you're looking at chocolate for example like there's protein bars that are low sugar out there on the market that can help still satisfy that sweet tooth craving but provide your body with some goodness as opposed to junk so we're just looking for those changes that that allows you to still enjoy the things you enjoy but we're finding a healthier way and that's the big shift okay yeah i think i think that's i think it covers that really in terms of that mental shift that you need to make in terms of making these goals these weight loss or weight gain figures actually attainable for you um, and you can commit to it over the long term and make those changes in your lifestyle so we've talked about what people can do in terms of changing their attitude setting goals in terms of their health and wellness from a purely employer perspective what can employers do for their employees in order to give them the best chance to be a healthy and productive workforce because we all know that you know the lower your cortisol levels the less stressed you are so if you're not stressed you can probably be more productive the more productive you are the more your employer gets from you and everyone's happy healthy and doing what they should be doing yeah. so obviously everyone wants to create that environment so what can employers do to support their employees have a good environment yeah absolutely so i think it comes back to that environment like you say scott it's it's about simple things like flexible working times you know because i've seen the micromanagers who have been watching the clock and making sure that they're back bang on the hour but if they've gone to the gone to the gym and it's taken them 10 minutes to you know have a shower and they've run over then like does 10 minutes really matter if, if your employees are happy and you've got healthy employees then for me no and what you tend to see is somebody that's given that flexibility they contribute more they don't go bang on five o'clock because they know it, it swings in both ways so that's number one i think micromanagement is the biggest sort of killer for innovation but also for people's health because they are fearful that you know they have to hit be at certain times and you know, there's no flexibility in that. So I think that, you know, you, who you report into has it, does have an impact. I think secondly as well, like it, within your work environment, you know, ask yourself as a, an employer, do you have space where people can go and have mindfulness, i.e. no technology zones? Do you give people a full lunch hour and are you encouraging them in, in ways that you can get people active? So whether you've got something like a facility on site where, you know, they've got a gym, if you've not got that type of setup, then, you know, what's to say you can't employ a personal trainer once a month, let's say, and clear out a meeting room and have it as like an exercise session, not where people are getting hot and sweaty, but where people are actually learning about how to perform exercises that they can generally do from home um, with a lack of time. So I think there's a couple of things there. The, the vending machine's a big one. This is a bugbear of mine because, look, they're full of junk, right? So why have we put them there? Obviously, people want to eat on the go, but why don't we look at the vending options and say, okay, instead of filling it full of sugary Red Bulls and all sorts of drinks like that, why don't we find healthier, 
pure alternatives to that. And again, it's about just understanding how you can, and there's companies out there that are already doing this, but it's about understanding how you can take away the things that people are impulsively buying. I mean, you must see it all the time, Scott. Friday comes around or someone's birthday comes around and the guy comes in with a load of pizza. I was the guy that used to come in with like a load of healthy nipples and I was like, I hate you. <laughs> but, I really wouldn't get on with you at all, Mark. Wouldn't engage you. <laughs> but here's the thing, like we all treat ourselves on Friday. Why not treat ourselves on Monday, right? Most people don't like Mondays, but they treat themselves on the day they like the most. So actually, I think it's a little bit backward. I think if you're going to treat yourself, do it on the start of the week, make yourself feel a little bit happier. Um, otherwise, you're going to have someone like me coming in with nibbles that you're not going to enjoy. So yeah, that's that's an interesting point is to link the healthy eating with a Monday and reward yourself on a Monday rather than reward yourself on a Friday when it's all over. Um, I really like the point about more flexible working times for your employees. One of our um, insurance clients at MBA, they actually have an on-site gym, which is unbelievable. You know, it's like, it's fully kitted out. You've got everything in there. And what they found is that their staff go to the gym in the mornings, some at lunchtime, some after work. So they're actually at work for longer. Yeah. Also, when they've had a workout, you know, you get those endorphins going um, and you feel better. And also, you know, someone take, says, oh, can I take an hour for my lunch instead of 45 minutes because I want to work out? I'll come in half an hour early or I'll stay 15, 20 minutes later. There's no impact on the business in terms of the working day. But what you actually get is a much happier, more productive employee. Mm-hmm. And personally, I've, I've changed from working out in the evening to try and working out in the morning um, because it gives me a better setup for the day in terms of sort of my mental health health and mindfulness and, and reducing anxiety but that kickstarts the day it's like i can't go back and sit down and be slobby and whatever because i've already done all of those physical things and you know it's not it's 8 30 yeah um and i don't know about people that do exercise in the morning but i just feel more productive and more alert and i definitely do more when, when i work out in that way so i think it's yeah employers being conscious of the structures for how people work yeah um I'm currently working with one of our clients on some employee value propositions and sort of understanding triggers for when staff are happy, not happy and all these sort of things. And we've looked about flexible working, a flexible start time, sorry. So this is for a high volume call center and uh, looking at giving people the option, you know, if you work your eight hours, you can start any time between sort of 8.30 and 9 or 8 and 9 o'clock. As long as, you know, all it's it's covered by a degree by everyone, you yeah. know, that's fine. We change it up because if you're consistently five minutes late, 10 minutes late every morning because you take your kids to school at rush hour and all this sort of stuff, is it worth you getting into work every morning with high stress because you're worried about traffic? <laughs> You know, if we just change your start time by 20 minutes, you can relax or maybe you get into, you start 40 minutes later, you can get into work, you can have a bit of breakfast, you can sit down, you can chill out, then get into your working day and it not affect you. Yeah, and it's a crazy start for you. 3.7 million people here in the UK travel for two plus hours a day on their daily commute, right? So that again, like you say, is mentioning bringing it back to stress. I think flexible working space as well, like technology has enabled us to work from anywhere at any time on any platform, even our mobile phones now. And I think companies must adapt to that way of thinking because, look, I didn't conform with the corporate world. I couldn't go back into it right now because, again, for me, it's having the flexibility to work a business online around the times that suit me. I actually say I'm a full-time father and I'm a part-time business owner because that's my priority is my, 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 wife and, my, my wife and baby. And therefore, 
I want to make sure that I'm able to work it around me, not the other way around. So I think there is that, they definitely has to have that flex within there. And that's going to massively shift employee satisfaction, um, you know, just allowing people to work from home every now and then. Like it's all comes down to trust, Scott. That's it. And if people are trusted, they are more innovative, they are more uh, creative. And I think they just, they do flourish more in a company that has that level of trust. Yeah, and I think that what you're talking about here, it's not free fruit Fridays, and it's not <laughs> what I would class as gimmicks. Yeah, you know, they they look good to advertise, but they mask over maybe a poor environment. I've talked a lot about employee benefits and what is a real employee benefit and what is you know a gimmick or you know half price gym membership. You know, it's just it's not really something that you've done. It's just sort of a, a tagline to put out there. Yeah. Um, what we actually want for employees and for candidates going into new businesses is that they go into an environment where they can thrive. And if they can thrive, they're less likely to leave, they're more likely to be productive. And if people are healthier, you're probably going to reduce attrition, you're going to reduce sick days. And uh, yeah, it's win-win for everyone. So I think one of the things at the moment is that we're massively going through a period of transition because of technology and mm. um, like you said we're flexible working i mean i reply to emails at seven o'clock in the morning 11 o'clock at night um my laptop goes with me wherever i go but i i still manage how i interact with this sort of stuff but it gives me the flexibility that i can move around a little bit I, you know i can work in different offices with different clients at home whatever it might be mm. um i'm personally someone who i can't sit still so if i sit at a desk maybe i could sit there for two two and a half hours but then i might have to stand up and go and sit on the other side of the office on a sofa or I have to go and sit in a boardroom on my own or whatever and that that's a little bit of anxiety that's a little bit of restfulness and it's a little bit about my environment that I want to be in an environment where I feel comfortable and feel healthy and feel feel good and, and can do what I do mm. personally I'm, I'm a marketer and I'm a creative so I need to be able to think clearly and to tap into that sort of stuff I'm not I'm, I'm thinking I'm not doing a lot of the time, if that makes sense. So yeah. I need to be in a sort of a headspace where I can do that. And I think that relates to a lot of different people. Mm. Um, I think when you feel like you can move around, you, you, you have flexibility potentially in your start time, potentially in your working environment. I think the days of being chained to a desk for eight, nine hours a day, um, hopefully are changing. And also, like, I think as well, you know, this this is quite surreal because my, my career is kind of aligned with where what we're talking about here. But because I was I was initiating a program called Workplace of the Future, and that was to enable people to really the, the underlying pin here was that we're not utilizing office space. Only 56% of space was ever utilized when you looked at it as an entire company. And so there's a lot of wasted money. And also we wanted to create an environment where people could sit where they want to sit rather than look, you're sat next to Bob and Bob don't even, you know, picks his nose and makes a brew for you, whatever. But again, you can, you, you can sort of pick your environment and, and move around. And, and I think that was a really important part of it is that the more social aspects around people being in a place where they actually want to sit rather than feel like they have to sit. Um, so technology has enabled us to, to do that now in a way that we can, you know, we can, if we have a docking station and it's all standard setup, then everyone has a laptop. They can just sit wherever they want. Um, and you have a booking system that sits over the top of that. So I was designing that, that sort of program in order to save money from a cost perspective. But what we actually found was that, first of all, people had resistance because they didn't want to go and, you know, they, they own that desk. They had the pictures on there and all sorts. But then what we found was through that transition that people actually were happier 
when they made that move because they could now sit wherever they want to sit and change their environment all the time. So I feel like that is really important, you know, the, just having like plants in the office and stuff like that. I mean, it's small, but it does make a difference if you've got a dark, gloomy space and, you know, you're not seeing the outside world, you know. This is why vitamin D, 70% of people... Are so there's one, I just want to um, jump in on that sort of vitamin D type thing. So we've currently moved our office and our old office was a city centre office and it didn't have any windows, right? <laughs> uh, you know, we had wallpaper, which was, you know, green and shrubs and whatever, but it massively affected everyone. Oh, and we've huge. moved somewhere like here, and we've got a huge win- huge windows, and, it, you know, we can see planes and grass and things moving <laughs> around, you know, people. people, cars and stuff. And you feel healthier when you actually see some daylight. Yeah. Um, I know I've done it before. A lot of people that work in offices, when they're chained to the desk, especially during winter, you go into work, it's dark. You come out of work, it's dark. You have that set routine. Yeah. A lot of people do get depressed. They get into depressive states due to lack of activity, lack of sunlight, mm. um, and lack of sort of vitamin D. So I think you know seeing that and understanding that is such a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I like I think as well companies have to allow their, their employees to take some down time and, and be mindful so you know that's why you know the networking thing is is quite a, a trend now where people are actually rather than going and sitting in a meeting room having a one-to-one they're going walking around the block with an employee and having a chat and there's no technology present just things like the small sort of changes just want to jump in on the networking point was it yourself that i saw that you were setting up networking groups around sort of the northwest or greater manchester no but i did share one and said this right. is a great initiative so i've heard about this so in terms of sort of networking where you get sort of 10 15 20 people instead of going to a bar or a coffee shop or whatever to do your networking you go and have a walk and do it and i was like it just threw me completely i was like what <laughs> but um if you actually think logically about it you know if you go you go and walk your dog you have a walk with your family on a sunday afternoon whatever go and walk the kids it's a really good experience and it's really, you always have good conversations when you're moving. That sort yeah. of, you know, you, you think better when you run because you're moving. You sing better in the car when you're driving faster. Yeah. You know, it, that thing of movement is really important. So, yeah, interesting. So I'm, I'm going to set one up called Net Workout and um, You Have to Lift Weights. But that's the that's the only way you can come and have a network. But I think the the concept of actually exercising around is 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 brilliant, and um, I do believe that creativity will take place when you are in that environment as well. Okay, so. Thank you, Mark. I think we've gone through a lot here. So we've gone through a little bit of your transition from competing, sort of PTing, sort of becoming a bit of a beast uh, and understanding uh, your nutrition and diet, going into what you're doing with with Motivate Me, um, subscription model, all your clients, um, anyone who wants to see um, what Mark does, do check out his LinkedIn profile um, at Mark Bryce. You'll go on there and you're just going to see these unbelievable transformations. And the interesting thing is that if you speak to Mark, you'll understand the context behind the transformations. So it's 30 days, it's 60 days, it's three months, it's whatever. They did this program, this is how they got there. And when, and when that's explained, it 
becomes quite tangible and you can contextually understand how, why and where they did it rather than just, oh, is that photoshopped or that's not realistic because yeah. you you lack the context when you just see a picture. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And obviously we've talked about what employers can do for themselves, um, for their employees in terms of creating better environments. Also what employees can do for themselves in terms of understanding what they eat, you know, potentially when they work out, you know, their, their patterns and what their routines look like on a day-to-day basis. So I would implore anyone who is interested in body transformation, looking at changing their routine in terms of their eating habits sleeping um, health and fitness habits to reach out to mark purely for information to understand i mean we've we've talked for uh, about 50 minutes here today but we could sit here for three hours and we still would get only you know a, a slither of mark's information so there's a lot to be learned yeah so please do reach out because i think it's a very important thing uh, the goal of this podcast was to uh, speak to thought leaders and get out of my own little bubble that's why it's called thought bubble so we're discussing health and fitness and nutrition today it affects everyone um, especially business people business people have the highest levels of cortisol they are the most stressed because typically they take on the biggest challenges and try and juggle the rest of their life as well so we want to try and make um, this a priority so that employees and employers can have happy and healthy workforces and be productive at the same time so it's been really important to have mark on the podcast today so mark thank you very much for coming on you're very welcome. And just one thing, Scott, as well, whilst we're on workplace um, wellness, uh, I am rolling out a workplace wellness program, which I will not be charging for. Um, so again, you can take me up on that offer. I'll come in and do a, a lunch and learn session, uh, which will be a 30 minute talk, uh, just giving people those those things that we've discussed really today that they can fundamentally do from a tactical point to change their health and i just want you to leave you with one final thought as well if i can that don't measure your success on how quick you get there measure your success on how long you stay there for because that's the lifestyle game not the diet mentality and when you get into that shift then you know that's where you really win the long game amazing thank you mark um i think everyone's going to be a lot more educated after this and I, I don't know about anyone else listening but i feel like i've learned so much and i've got a new path found perspective in terms of my routine and how what I eat sleep drink do whatever how that affects me and also affects my productivity at work so thank you Mark and that's another episode wrapped up if you have any questions please DM myself or Mark comment below and yeah look forward to uh, having you with us on the next one thanks very much you guys